I'm Morgan Barnhart. And I'm Brad Acre, and you're listening to Underrated America Cincinnati. We started this podcast to shine a light on the gems of Cincinnati and show listeners what makes this a great place to call home. And why we're proud of our city. So we're going to highlight the food scene, culture, nightlife, entertainment, the arts, and everything that makes the city great. Especially the leaders, artists, and entrepreneurs who are making it all happen. This, this is, is Underrated, Underrated America, America, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. We'd love to start with you guys just stating your name and, and what you do. Andrew Salzbrunn, a partner at the Agar, and a handful of other small businesses and projects around Cincinnati, things like uh, Danger Wheel and Blink and uh, Nation Kitchen and Bar and other things like that. Yeah. Uh, Josh User, a partner at Agar, uh, also have the Transept over in Washington Park, um, Ghost Baby, um, and Over the Rhine, and then also a part of Blink and a lot of other experiences in town. Um, so what's your, each of your Cincinnati origin story? Are you originally from here? Um, where did you go to school is, a, you know, the sure. question that always comes up. I'm a hillbilly from Kentucky. <laughs> originally from Kentucky? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm originally from Indiana. I, I can't so, answer the where did you go to school, you know, question. Yeah. So I grew up in Independence about 20 minutes south, local, but I always kind of just stay on hillbilly from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> Live on the Cincinnati side now. I crossed over. Yeah. Uh, to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in College Hill, uh, North Side area, and uh, went to Walnut for high school and UC for undergrad, Xavier for grad school. Very so, cool. Yeah. yeah. College Hill is like a, like a hot area right Yeah, there's now. some fun stuff yeah. going on up yeah. there. Josh, we'll start with you. If you could talk to us about your experience with like nightlife and live yep. events, because I know Agar really is more about like the experiential um, events, that would be great. To Absolutely. Yeah. I started, off. I started throwing parties in college. Um, and that led me to, um, renting out venues and nightclubs and back in the old main street, uh, worked for Jeff Ruby over at the waterfront for, for many years, um, before we opened our first nightclub when I was 23 and on main street, which was club claw at the time. Mm. Um, so I've always kind of been in the nightlife hospitality bar industry, even f- Dating back from when I was a kid, you know, I worked in a family friend restaurant. Um, so always just kind of been around the hospitality bar service industry. And it's kind of really rooted in what we do every day. I mean, we both own bars um, and and we bring that to life through through Agar. It's the interacting with consumers on a day-to-day basis. So we love it. Yeah, Andrew, um, I'd love to hear about your Pendleton origin story. I sure. heard that there's some background there. Uh, but what struck you about the particular neighborhood to be in Pendleton? Fell in love with the neighborhood. Well, I don't even know if I would call it falling in love with it, but I, when I moved back from Atlanta, I was looking for a place to live downtown. Um, and I happened to be looking at an apartment over there. Um, and as I was walking back to my car, saw a building that had a for sale sign on it and, uh, the MLS listing had expired and it was a foreclosed building. And, um, I, uh, went to great lengths. I'll call it that to (laughs) purchase the building. And then, uh, basically step into somebody else's messy project halfway through development. And, um, you know, I, I think my 
relationship with Pendleton uh, began there, uh, whether by fate or maybe not so much by choice. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I went to my first community council meeting like a month after I bought the building just to see like what the neighborhood was like and to get involved and happened to show up on election night and got uh, elected as vice president of the neighborhood council on night one. So, and this is your first month. First month, yeah. So I and this guy knows everything about our neighborhood. Right, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm not really sure what they're thinking. Right. Um, but I held on to that position for like eight years. Um, wow. It's his only public office. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. For, forever. Forever. Okay. Um, but um, once I got ingrained in there, you know, one of the things that really um, we struggled with as a community council um, was the corner of Broadway and 12th Street at that time was the um, highest trafficked intersection for heroin in the state of Ohio. Wow. Um, there's a really unique roadmap there where... Uh, people that were bringing heroin over from Kentucky can cross across across from Newport, make their drops in Pendleton, and be back across state lines in like under 90 seconds. So it made it very very hard to track that. Um, and so, you know, as we're dealing with that issue, we're trying everything under the sun that is in the rule book of you know call the police, turn more lights on, neighborhood mm-hmm. watch, and none of this is working. And so we said rather than try to push people out of the neighborhood, what would it look like to bring more people into the neighborhood, um, and so we set out to uh, we set out to just do a bar that served food there. It was the first uh, business that had opened in Pendleton in like I think eight years. Um, and uh, the thing we didn't plan on doing uh, was we kind of shot ourselves in the foot and brought in a really good chef uh, who was aspiring to do great things, uh, Kayla Robison, who's over at Arnold's. Arnold's, Arnold's yeah. now. And she's been on different TV shows. Yes. and Yeah. Yeah. And this was kind of her first solo gig. I and uh, that that's cool. night one of opening the place, we sold more burgers than we did beer. And we're like, oh, crap. I guess we have to do a <laughs> restaurant now. And uh, that was kind of where Nation started. But, um, but you know, it, it, it solved that problem for us, you know, transitioned the neighborhood into one where people sought it out. And, um, you know, naturally the issues we were facing in the, in the neighborhood kind of resolved themselves through that. I think that's such a, an important thing to say because the first response when you do have a problem for most people is get, you know, get this problem out of here. But rather you were saying like, we actually have something that can attract people here. Then that serves as a deterrent for those people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to be doing it in the dark. It's in front of a lot of people. Yeah. I used to live on Milton. And so I would walk okay. down a nation and, and actually have seen kind of some of those drops in my, on my side of Liberty as well. So yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah. Now there's like multiple businesses and restaurants I mean, there would be at least like what ten in that little pocket now. Yeah, at least. Um, maybe not all restaurants, but we, you know, I think it was probably four years ago, mm-hmm. five years ago, we opened uh, Three Points um, yeah. over on the corner of Thirteenth and Broadway, and then right before the pandemic, uh, we sold that to Braxton. Mm-hmm. Um, so got a big, you know, regional uh, regional partner there. And then uh, Kevin Hart opened his wine shop, uh, Hart and Crew, which has been exceptional. Um, and uh, and then, you know, Urbana is, has doubled the size of their, their concept and moved around the corner. So lots of good traction over there in that neighborhood. That's awesome. What inspires each of you, uh, I'd like to hear from both of you, um, about Cincinnati and 
why do you continue to choose to live here? And I think you mentioned you lived in Atlanta before. I'm not sure if you've lived anywhere else. No, um, I've been a homer. Yeah. For, for, <laughs> so for why life, so. why choose to continue to stay here? You've got all these other options out there. In yeah, the I mean, I, I just think it's, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people come and go. You know, they leave and then they come back, hmm. you know, eight years later. And I feel they're a little maybe, you know, maybe they're behind <laughs> or they, you know, or they just want to come back because because they missed it. And I just think that I was, as I said, I came over from the Northern Kentucky side and I was just always enamored by the city. And when I came downtown, it was much different than it is now in the early 2000s. You know, we had, as I mentioned, we opened our first nightclub right after the riots. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a desolate city. And I think it takes vision and I- ideas to see what the city could be. And I think what we're, this renaissance that the city's experiencing is because of like-minded folks like us that have been here that see the value that we can bring to the city, um, see that, you know, that, you know, when it was at its bottom, you can bring it up and you can make make a good living doing it. Um, so I think we're passionate about uh, downtown. We're passionate about the region um, and the people are kind. I mean, everybody says that at least yeah. when they come here. So I think it's, it's it, there's a lot of truth to it. So I'm happy. I, I like I like being here, I like building, I like creating and, we've been able to network and build a reputation that people will allow us to execute our ideas yeah. or believe that we can execute our ideas. And that takes a lot of work, but it's something that I know that we each each value and appreciate the ability to do. Tell us about how you guys met. How did you eventually like go into business together? Tell us about your story. Sure. Um, so... At a creep store. Yeah. <laughs> creep store. <laughs> Crepes. Oh, oh, yeah, I did I'm say like, creeps. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think um, when I was in college, I was not interning. What's the other word? For Co-op. That? Co-oping. Yeah. 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 Um, for a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, Chad Reynolds had a company called Hyperquake. And mm. um, uh, I, I met Chad and Chad was really good friends with Josh. And when I came back from Atlanta, we, uh, Chad was like, you guys should get together. It seems like you're interested in a lot of the same things. I had, uh, when I moved back and was going to grad school, started working with the local nonprofit, um, uh, Venice on Vine there at Vine and 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, they had just opened their restaurant and was, um, kind of jumping in and helping bolster their art program. And then also, um, you know, taking a, a restaurant and making it presentable to the new customer of Vine Street that was coming in. Um, and along the way, uh, got the opportunity to, um, to, to kind of start the, the, um, the final Friday art gallery walks that were on Vine Street. Mm-hmm. So everything that's in between 13th and Central, most of those spaces were white boxed out for new tenants, but not full yet. Um, so we were going in and uh, every month doing three to five gallery shows in these different uh, empty spaces. And that's how we connected and started just working on projects together and kind of took it from there. I want to kind of take a step back and talk about Agar. Um, so obviously we've talked about your your bars and businesses, but Agar is more of, um, I mean, is it a, a marketing um, company or like, I don't know. Give us yep. a background on that. Yeah, we're an experiential marketing company. Um, agar, by definition, is the red substance in a petri dish when agitated grows culture. So we look at it as <laughs> agar cool. is yeah. the base for us, right? Like, and our businesses can kind of build off of that, but everything comes back to to agar, the foundation. Um, we we 
you know, presented Agar because we believe as the world moves more and more digital, the value of value of human connection and human relationship inherently increases. Um, so at our core, we're event producers, uh, experiential marketing, social media content, um, content to video, f- photography, AR, VR. Um, and then obviously we're moving into communications and PR. Um, so really rounding out our full services and we represent Fortune 100 clients here locally and across the country. Wow. Um, so that's, but it doesn't, you know, all the, we often look at the, the, you know, the, the nations or the ghost babies or the danger wheel or blink, or these are experiments that we, you know, we can bring these testings into agar to then use that point of view and that knowledge for, for our, for our clients. That's really cool. Like, what do you guys not do? I guess this yeah. is maybe a better question. Like, you I looked at the website so and I was like, things. I'm getting yeah. overwhelmed. <laughs> Copyright line. Copy. Copy. Yeah, I can't write. I can't write an email. There you so. go. So what year was? What year did Agar start? Because I thought I saw online it was like incorporated in 2022, but you've been around much longer than that. Yeah, it was. So Agar was actually when we first started, it was called Ionic Collective. Hmm. Okay. Um, and that was probably 08, 09, I think okay. 08. Okay. And then we had one employee who is Carrie, who is now our um, VP of operations. And we got a cease and assist letter stating that we were trademarking, that we had infringing on someone's trademark. So we threw that paper in the garbage um, and laughed it off. And then I think about four or five months later, we this was probably 2012, I think, we got a lawsuit um, that, no, we really were infringing on someone's um, name. And uh, so we're like, hey, we better change. We should, I guess, change our name. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they, well, you also research. don't practice law. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't practice law. Yeah. Um, and, and we don't read very well. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we did. Uh, yeah. So we made that change, I think, in early 2014 uh, uh, over over to Agar. So it's been, you know, it was Ionic Collective for four or five years mm-hmm. and then Agar for, for the last nine. Yeah. How many people are employed at Agar now? I think we're 28 full-time oh, wow. employees. Wow. Yeah, that's um, really big. So several remote employees as well. Um, and, you know, it's been, a, it's been a great year for us. You know, 2022 has been amazing. I think that's got a lot to do with coming out of COVID. And, yeah. you know, we, can, we got some horror stories about that experience. When you're in the world of bringing people together, and the world says separate. For a lot of our companies, it's not easy. But uh, it's been a strong bounce back, and our team's resilient and very talented group of people. Yeah. How did you guys cope with that? You, you know, with COVID kind of. That was one of our questions. Isolated. Like your whole ethos is about live in-person events and that was taken away. So a lot of booze. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Literally. COVID. Yeah. 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 Uh, and on, and transparency, we just, we went back to testing. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you may recall the, the, the porch pours event that we, that just, we just randomly created a front porch pours. Like, how can we give people the resources to do the same thing at the same time, yeah. socially connected but distant? And I think we had like 10,000 people sign up for a front porch party during COVID. Um, okay. And it's like, yeah, we didn't make any money off of that by any means, um, but it kept us thinking. Yeah. And it kept us like driving of like, okay, well, how can we solve this problem? I mean, one of the things we joke around and say is you're directly compensated by the problems that you solve. Yeah. And the world had a lot of problems. So how can we create solutions? And ultimately that'll drive revenue um, for us in the long haul. So I think we just got resilient and went back to our core. I, th- I think the other part too is we've, we've gotten better about this, but for the first 
10 years of the company existing, like we maybe said no to projects like twice. Mm. Um, we got pretty good at a lot of things. Um, and we've, you know, started to refine that over time and, uh, you know, laser focus in on our sweet spots. But um, it bred a culture within the organization of being um, incredibly willing to learn and to prop up and, um, minimum viable products and be really scrappy. So while we were trying to figure out, hey, how do we keep the lights on and keep our team together and motivated and, you know, run after some things, a lot of our clients were doing the same thing. Yeah. And they were calling us and saying like, hey, do you have any ideas? Well, you know, what do we do? Or, hey, we thought about trying something like this. Can you help us? And we're like, sure. I mean, like, it, we're doing everything on a sprint given how fast everything shifted. Mm-hmm. We're willing to help you try. And yeah. um, so that was a lot of fun too, getting to work on some new ideas with our with our clients and kind of learn together at the same time. Okay, so you'd mentioned, you know, you've got this event that um, we didn't really make money off that, but it was something that we could do and work toward it. Blink, to me, feels like um, almost like a public good at this point. Like, um, how did you... And my understanding is you guys came up with the idea. Um, so, so can you tell me a little bit about the inception of that um, and what, what went into planning like such a unique event? Yeah. So um, it, it's interesting because everything, you know, that becomes big always sort of starts small. Mm-hmm. And there was an event called Cincinnati Design Week um, in probably 2012 or 13, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And uh Landor was, we were working with Landor and we did a big event out in a part, out in their alley mm. um, where we put a live band and it was all about fashion week and design. And we projected on the uh, side of a building in the alley um, with two of their creative directors, Dan and Steve. Um, and we, you know, about a thousand people show up, mayor shows up, um, some city council, people from Symphony, people from the Hale Foundation, and they just love this projection. And the idea started of talking of like, well, what if we did that at Music Hall? Yeah. Um, and that ultimately came to a brainstorm that then created Luminosity. Yeah. Um, and we were kind of behind the idea of Luminosity. And if you remember in Luminosity, it was called, you know, after the first Luminosity, it was called the tipping point of Over the Rhine. That was what the Enquirer put out, like mm. Over the Rhine is here. Um, so we knew that art can move people. Um, the unfortunate thing is in the first year of Blink or Luminosity, we tore the park up because mm. so many people yeah. came. Dodge um, some bullets there. Yeah. I mean, people, were, people were sitting in trees. I mean, that oh, first yeah. year oh, wow. was yeah. 30,000 people co- converged onto the park and like, Yeah, the debrief man. with the fire department was like, if somebody had had a heart attack in the middle of yeah. the field. We couldn't have got him out. No. Oh, my There's gosh. no way. And so, but it was magic yeah, because wow. people broke bread together. You were stuck in the park together. You great. couldn't move. You were surrounded by art. It was the epitome of experience. It was amazing. But then year two, you know, when code and police and fire and, you know, control sets in, you know, they started putting fences up mm-hmm. on on it and you had to have a, you know, it was a lottery to win a ticket. Mm-hmm. And we were already talking like, man, you know, with Steve and Dan, who are now with Brave Berlin, like, man, what if we just tore these fences down and gave this to the people? This is yeah. what they want. Um, same time, Andrew and Tom was you know, traveling, you know, different art communities, seeing what was going on in the street art world, became super inspired. Yeah, we were doing some projects down in Miami in the, in like the early days of the Wynwood Walls district and um, was 
blown away at what it looked like to see, you know, blocks and blocks and blocks where every square foot is, is canvas. Um, and so we, we, uh, that took that idea and, and at the time was, um, right around the same time that, you know, luminosity was, was taking place, but over the Rhine was still voted most dangerous place in the country. Right. Um, and we saw this opportunity, um, in that, like, if you, if you stand at the, intersection of Liberty and Pleasant Street and you look south, you can see the bandstand at Washington Park. And if you, uh, and there's some of the most expensive real estate at the time right mm -hmm. there in the park. And then if you look north, you could see the the cupola on the top of the market shed at Finley Market, which is our number two tourist destination. Yeah. And the northern half of Pleasant Street wasn't so pleasant and the southern half was. Um, and so we said, you know, like, what would an experiment look like to, you know, take a page out of the Wynwood Walls and drop in world-class public art um, in a hyper, hyper-focused uh, uh, destination like Finley Market with the goal being, you know, can we increase the um, average visit time uh, by including reasons for people to not just go to the market shed? When mm. we start, when we were starting to work on um, Blink, you know, I think the average visit time was under 30 minutes. People would get out of their car in the designated parking lot. They'd go in and they'd buy their things. They'd get back in their car and they'd go to Mason. Yeah. And we said, well, what it would look like if we could encourage them to explore one more block? Um, what would that do to, um, you know, having just more eyeballs and foot traffic in the neighborhood? But also what would that look like if they saw an abandoned building and imagined what it would be like to live there or open a business? And, um, and so anyway, long story short, we... That was kind of our inspiration, and we I, I met with Tim Maloney from the Hale Foundation one morning, and I said, hey, I think we should do a mural festival around the market here and uh, focus only on international artists instead of just our, our local uh, mm -hmm. artists. We have a great mural program with Artworks, mm -hmm. um, and there's tons of opportunities for local artists to show. Um, what if we brought the outside in and inspired people? And he said, well, that's really funny. I just had breakfast with the guys from Brave Lynn, and they thought about the idea of doing a projection mapping festival. And so it was Tim's uh, brilliance that said, you know, what if we combine these two things and yeah. made it one super uh, offering and uh, and that's kind of where Blink got off to the races. We didn't know what we were calling it at the time. I think we spent two years workshopping it, um, traveling the world, seeing best in class examples of projection mapping shows or festivals, um, uh, you know, mural festivals, et cetera. That we took a lot of notes from, met with their organizers, and figured out, you know, how do we make this. Um, best in class, but also our own. Um, and, and that's kind of where Blink set off. And that goes back to some of those, you know, as I said earlier about, you know, having people be able to invest in your idea, you know, here, like if, you know, we didn't know what the event was going to be. And, and the Tam and the Hale Foundation invested a lot of money to send us to, you know, Australia to look at the S S Vivid Festival, to Berlin, to Leeds, to study these art experiences. Um, and we had to deliver that back, right? Um, so I, I think that's the thing that goes unnoticed is like we we did travel the world, we did take notes, we and we remade made it uniquely Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, but without someone like Tim to and like that doesn't show that doesn't show up in the budget for Blink. That's an that's you know an investment in the community that he made and a bet on us <coughs> that like we're going to create something, you know, a, as we believe we did. Um, but not a lot of people, you're not going to find that a lot 
in many places that um, people will, you know, fund you to think and develop your idea further, Yeah, uh, which is magic. Someone else might have thought that they were just sending you on a nice little world tour. And I'm sure people thought that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure people thought that and people yeah. didn't understand that. And, yeah. you know, and, oh, what do you guys do? Yeah, well, we delivered and it's, you know, it's, that's part of the deal. You know, if someone funds or gives you that opportunity, you've got to deliver. Yeah. Um, and, and I think just the, that process and that timeline, that long, slow build to do something huge is so countercultural to yeah. where we are today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Instagram tells you you can be whatever you want tomorrow when you wake up. <laughs> and um, you see the frustration when people realize they can't be an NBA basketball star because they picked up a ball. Um, and, and we have this, you know, this main vein of instant gratification right now that um, we're, we're telling people online that uh, you can you can change the world tomorrow and maybe but odds are it's going to take a lot of hard work and a lot of time and investment to be able to do things that really move the needle in a big way. Yeah, definitely. Tell us about, um, I mean, obviously Blink has had a huge community impact. Pretty much every single guest we talked about has mentioned Blink. Yeah. Hmm. When we've asked, like, what would you like to see in the city in like five years? So like more events like Blink. So <laughs> it, it's very much in a testament to what you guys created that it's talked about widely. Um, but what are some of the other kinds of community, like impact that in engagement that Agar is um, involved with? There's external events. And then there's also just like uh, the organizations that we help sit on and chair. Um, you know, there's the behind the scenes work that mm -hmm. um, not only Josh and I, but a handful of people in our organization, you know, we really encourage people to uh, run out and get engaged with the, um, the, groups and the nonprofits that they are passionate about, that they think have impact in their community. Um, but we also do, you know, highly visible, um, you know, events and, and uh, experiences, things like Danger Wheel that, you know, the goal was to bring people into Pendleton to expose them to that neighborhood as we were building nation and also like just working on the economic development for the neighborhood. And um, my friend Judd Watkins and I uh, were sitting around having beers one day and just saying like, you know, what do we, what would be something crazy that would get people excited? And, you know, what if we race big wheels down the street <laughs> and it was just crazy enough to work. Um, and, you know, somehow still works, uh, <laughs> you know, there's. What's it like getting insurance for danger wheel? <laughs> oh, got a great story on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. I mean, yeah, candidly, like every year while the event is going on and we're like getting to the finals, he and I are standing at the top of the hill, exhausted from screaming at people all day, but smiling because we're like, I can't believe people let us do this. Like, <laughs> yeah. this, this doesn't make sense right now. It's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, but it's, you know, it brings, 10,000 people in uh, to a neighborhood that most people have no exposure to previously. Yeah. Just if you guys could describe like a part of the podcast that we're trying to is just highlight Cincinnati and why it's different than, you know, other large cities. And especially like a lot of our business owners here have talked about the sense of community that you've mentioned, how it's easier maybe to get funding and support. And there's a lot of, um, you know, lifting each other up in the small business community. Um, if you could describe like your experience with the business community in Cincinnati um, and what's unique about this community experience as opposed to like other large cities. Yeah, I think what makes this market unique is, you know, is you can, 
you know, you can go have coffee with other business owners. Uh, you can network. Um, and I, I'm sure they say that at, at every city, but I, I, I do think you, you do need to prove yourself over time. I mean, it is a small market, which that can be, you know, you know, one strike and you can be out. <laughs> um, so you've really got to have longevity and you've got to deliver and do what you say you're going to do. And once you start to do that, I think the door doors open up really, really good for you. I mean, I just, not to keep talking on Blink, but like Justin uh, Brookhart, our executive director, has been here eight months and the guy is completely integrated into the community, extremely fast. Um, and he's delivered as well. Um, but I, I bet he would tell you a same similar story that like, you know, people are very welcoming here. Um, they want to see you do well. Um, but you also have to, you have to back it. You know, like, you know, you, we often say at, at Agar, you're only as good as your last party. Mm -hmm. No one remembers, you know, two blinks ago. No one remembers three blinks ago. No one remembers three danger wheels ago, five bars ago. They remember what you did last. Um, and the last moment that you had with them or the last party that we threw or the last concert that we threw, like, that's what people remember us as. Um, and that's what advice I'd give to people coming into this market is, you know, they're going to remember the last party that you threw. Yeah. And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good fair. Point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your, uh, you know, obviously you guys are very much ingrained in OTR with different OTR and Pendleton, I should say. Sometimes like, Group those in. Maybe All I should. Yeah. Um, I'm off the community council now. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> my feelings aren't hurt. Yeah. No offense. <laughs> yeah. um, but what's your favorite neighborhood, or you know, even a couple neighborhoods in the city? And um, I guess if you're if you got some free time and you're in those neighborhoods, what are you doing there? I think the answer would be very different. You know, three years ago, Josh and I both have uh, had two kids in the last three years each, and um, I think our definition of like <laughs> what neighborhood we like the most is. Uh, how do we uh, lessen the impact of bringing two kids with us the most? Um, so I can relate to that. Yeah, I've what place has muscle. ice cream and what place has macaroni and cheese are kind of like the bar at this yeah. point. Um, but, uh, you know, we, my family, we moved up to Clifton. And um, so we've been spending a lot of time in um, in uh, Clifton and Northside. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Northside has like just some amazing, uh, like unique small businesses over there that you can't get anywhere else in the city. And yeah. you just, every time you go into a store or a restaurant, you discover something new. Um, and we really like Clifton just because of the um, really diverse makeup of that community mm -hmm. for multiple reasons. I mean, the, the fact that you've got a international um, huge campus of students uh, that are butted up right next to you, um, mixed with a very internationally diverse neighborhood um, of just like, I, I feel like once a month I meet a neighbor that lives a block away from me and it's it's just stunning what uh, what lives in that neighborhood and like, you know, the, the people that make it have a, a personality. Um, so I mean we we stick close to home right now with yeah. two kids, but uh, we're we're falling in love with those those communities pretty pretty regularly. Yeah, and their house like I this I if you I don't know if I've mentioned this, but your wife is like an incredible she interior is. designer, and oh. they have an amazing Instagram called it's the Salt House, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. And, oh, okay. Uh, so I, I've seen that. I just didn't know it was connected. Yeah, that, that it keeps highlights coming the up renovations. In yeah. The, what she did in the baby room was so cool. They have like an insulation over the crib. Very cool. I'm just like, yeah, those are... Yeah. It looks like architectural digest. Yeah, it's that's very, her hobby too. She's, it's that's very not her day cool. job. So yeah. she, I know. She it. Yeah, I know. She is. I forget what was she in pharmaceutical or was she? No, she's a CIO over the military business at GE Aviation. Okay, wow. so, way different. Yeah, she's a hitter. Yeah, yeah. Very that's cool. so cool. This is Brad Acre, co-host of Underrated America and Realtor with Better Way Home at Keller Williams Advisors Realty, where I help Cincinnati move confidently. If you are considering a move, you can get more information at mybetterwayhome.com or find me on social at Better Way Home. What about your favorite neighborhood? So we moved to North Avondale, um, which is awesome. Historic Gaslight District, yeah. um, super diverse. Yeah. Young, you know, the big the houses are turning over, it's young families moving in. So we like it mainly because when, when we moved out of Over the Rhine, when I knew a, our first was on the way, um, we just had my wife Maria and I made a pack like we just don't want to have to get on the highway to get downtown. Mm-hmm. We'll look anywhere as long as we don't have to get on the highway to get downtown. Um, and we ended up on North Avondale. So not a lot of social going on in other than the neighborhood. There's not a lot of shops or stores or, or businesses in in the community, um, but love the neighborhood um, and the neighbors. I spend a lot of time, I you know, speaking of when you said ice cream and restaurants and uh, Marymont is is yeah. great little uh, just area to go to. Um, so I find myself over that way often. Um, 50 West, you know, it's great to take the boys there, leave office early on a Friday before the crowd gets there and um, have a couple beers and let the kids play in the sand. Definitely. So that's kind of my go-to little area, I think. I totally relate to all of this because I moved from Mm. Milton Street up to Pleasant Ridge and now I have a nine-month-old and it's, uh, yeah, we go to Mad Tree. Like if we're going to a brewery, like let's go to Mad Tree. It's easy to have a kid there. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Like kid paradise. <laughs> well, North adults. Avondale is such a cool neighborhood. Just it like Clifton, cool. there's the a lot of like historic incredible. buildings and mansions that are now being like, you know, restored, which is, yep. I love to see that. Um, one of the things that we like to talk about on the show is what is the biggest misconception about the city? Mm-hmm. So you guys are highly involved with, you know, in many different areas and many different neighborhoods. But and have traveled the world. To, yeah, you know, yeah. And you have great uh, comparisons with other cities. But I feel, we do feel like, obviously, the show is called Underrated America. We feel like Cincinnati is often underrated. What would you say is like the biggest misconception um, about the city? And if that's too hard, you can just mention like what... <laughs> What makes it uh, different or lights you yeah. up about Cincinnati? I think Cincinnati is very, very cultured. Um, I feel that we're, you know, I think we get thrown more into the bucket of the Midwest, mm-hmm. but I think we've got a v- more of an East Coast feel than other cities in the mm-hmm. Midwest. I mean, when I look at one of the, and we've been talking about this a lot in our presentations for a new project we're working on, but, you know, we look at our competitive set here in the Midwest and you just look at our competitive set and you put in Columbus. Indianapolis, Detroit, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, St. Louis. I don't mention Chicago because Chicago is Chicago. Right, right. It's already, it's it's, it's not going to have exponential growth. Yeah. yeah. But if you put the Cincinnati against those other cities and you say, which one has the best chance to have exponential growth, like a Nashville did in the South mm-hmm. or an Austin did in the Southwest, Cincinnati is going to win 
nine out of 10 times. Yeah. You just, there's, there's just, I mean, that's just my belief on it. So, and I believe it's, it's real. Um, we we're a river city. Um, we're, we've got a big banking culture and community here. Um, and historic buildings. Um, but I do think we are kind of missing on the, on the more um, dense, modern um, architectural and design that, mm-hmm. you know, I think the city will get right sooner or later. Yeah, and transit, uh, and transit which comes with yeah. those things. And I think that's probably our biggest, you know, kind of clutch right now is not having dense, modern design um, everything, you know, everybody likes old and we've renovated a lot of old buildings, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there are consumers out there that like new modern living. And I think, uh, once we get that, we'll be in a good place. The question you asked, I started posing it to myself of like, what do people get wrong about Cincinnati or what's the misconception? And I think I, my brain went less to what do others think about us and more like, what do we think about ourselves? Hmm. Yeah. Um, That's cool. and you know, the, the thing that dawned on me probably over the pandemic, but um, because I just had more time to think and, and <laughs> whatnot is like we do a really bad job. Um, we have the misconception that um, we should be content with the status quo and we should be okay wearing the identity of a flyover Midwestern state. Um, we have it beaten into us with things like historically – poor performing sports teams. Like (laughs) we should be just really glad we have a sports team, but like we don't know how to win, you know? And, um, it's, it's nice when those things happen and, you know, all our lives don't resolve around sports teams, but, um, there's this misconception that the way things look today is fine and we should be okay with that versus wanting more or wanting to win or understanding how to push for something that's different. And um, that's, a, that's a tough learned behavior to try to shift. Um, but, you know, the things that Josh touched on, like we, we have a foundation here um, where just about anything is possible if you really want to bring it to life here. Um, you can try to go elsewhere and do it, and it's usually an uphill battle to do mm-hmm. it in a bigger market. But um, the access and the collaboration that exists here in this market make it possible to do things like blink, but you have to have a vision for that. And I think that's the biggest misconception is we're not allowed to have visions for things like blink. I'm going to switch up a question that I usually ask, but I'm going to ask it differently for you guys because you're uh, out of all of our guests. I think you're the most forward looking and innovative. Um, And we've got, plenty of people that are fitting that bill as well. Um, but let's say, you know, the mayor comes to you and they, and he or whoever future mayor says, help us plan Cincinnati of the future. What are you making the five to 10 year priorities and, and how are you going to tackle that? I'll have to text Aftab later and <laughs> see what he thinks the right Grand answer is. Yeah. 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 You can let him know. We still have one interview spot that we're trying <laughs> yeah. to schedule. And we have reached out, but he's pretty busy. Nice. Yeah. There are, there are like very basic infrastructure components that like need to happen for growth to continue. Um, you've got to get public transit right mm-hmm. um, in a way that is aggressive and not just a Hey, we'll check the box when we can. Um, you know, when Cincinnati was the Paris of the Midwest, we had streetcars everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that was a key factor to being 
able to be a dense urban environment and people to have access to affordable living and jobs that they could pay for their their rent and their homes for. Mm-hmm. Um, we've I think we've assimilated to the fact that we have a streetcar now and people understand how it works. We got to take that next step and push yeah. either getting better bus lines to it or mm-hmm. expanding the tracks yeah. um, and, and making sure that people can move about regularly. Um, the um, some of the things are in, in works too, like you know the expansion of the convention center. Yeah. Um, yes, that's just a big building, but what people don't realize is that is a a seismic shift to the opportunity for the outside to come in, for us to jump up a class in terms of uh, what conventions and shows we can have here in the market Mm -hmm. is enormous. Um, And and that drives hotel business, that drives tourism, all those things. Um, And it puts our story of our city out into a much broader scale. we need a world class music venue, um, you know, a, a arena that can that can uh, allow us to be on the map for all the biggest shows that hit Detroit and Columbus, and then yeah. dogleg left or right and skip yeah, us right. because mm-hmm. we don't have the seats. <laughs> um, those are the three that I know of off the top of my head, but those seem like must haves from That's, an infrastructure standpoint. brought up the like the music venue. Yeah, which no, is I think yeah, because a I think huge point. the arena the arena conversations heating yeah. up. So, yeah. yeah, like we have Megacorp Pavilion, which is I mean it's awesome. They're That's starting to expand, but it's people, not like you know the big it's like the Yum Center. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Which is going to pull the eighteen thousand, right, twenty thousand seats indoors. Um, it mm-hmm. expand our convention business as well because mm-hmm. it could be, the arena could be used as a as a, a sub convention mm-hmm. where like the auto show and all these other small conventions that go in our convention center mm-hmm. now can go. Right. Um, so we can also get more conventions in town during convention season. I mean, our convention season, we get local conventions, right? Mm-hmm. right. Not and not we need, and we need a, we need an arena to house those local conventions so we can get the big conventions January, February, March. I think to add on that, the bridge, um, yeah. and what that can do over to the West End and Queensgate, and you got a lot of property over there that can um, be developed and create a, yeah. a dense uh, community um, connected to our, our downtown. Um, and then also just in learning, you know, some of our zoning changes kind of need to happen to make things a little easier um, to, to change property uses um, so you can move a little faster on, on some of the development. Um, but one thing I would also push on that as well is the standard of development in downtown, I think, needs to raise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, and, and by that, it's like we need to push architecture and design. I like that about the convention center and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but enough of these kind of square, modern, simple boxes that, you know, they're they're making really, these developers are making really good margins on yeah. that you can see right. anywhere in the country. Yeah. Um, and I think if we step up our design and architecture um, quality, um, but build it new and modern and dense. Then and we have gonna... DAP, like right yes. in our backyard. Right. Yes. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> they can have lots of projects to influence the creativity. Mm-hmm. I think the one soft answer to it, like these are all very tactile, like yeah. must-haves, frankly, you know, for, but for they're us great. to continue to yeah. grow. Um, but the other big question I would throw back to said mayor um, <laughs> is, you know, like who do we want to be? And yeah. A lot of times, you know, when you when you get in these rooms with chambers of commerce or business leaders, it's it, we're we're defining our identity much more on like who are who we are, and like what's our history, and like why do we deserve to play versus like 
how do we want to play moving forward? Yeah. And to point further than, you know, where we're at, the marketing mm-hmm. campaign for the next 18 months, but like, hey, in a decade, we What's want to be North known Star? for this. And like, we're not wavering on that, you know? Yeah. And we want to go there. Yeah. I used to always love Austin. You know, and we've been going to Austin for probably close to 20 years now. And one of the things that I always loved about Austin when I got out of the car is, you know, the cab driver or the person at the hotel or the person be like, oh, I heard, you know, there's 16 new people move here a day. And it was a different number, mm-hmm. every <laughs> single person that you talk to, mm-hmm. but like everyone was talking growth. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't ma- matter. And it's like, you know, can we get just everybody pointed in, in the same direction towards one North Star? And I think that's what the magic of, of Blink was, you know, in the future city, like in the manifesto, you read that, like it is the mantra for the city. Um, and it, it is the North Star. How do we behave like a future city? And no one, we've never in the history of being in since no one's ever talked about the, us being a future city. Right. Yeah. We're steamboats and, <laughs> and, you know, old street cars. And, yeah. and, ba- and first baseball team. Like, yeah. you know, you know, like we, do, we don't want to be the first more. We want to be the best. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and, and I think where we get lost is that North Star a lot of times we say, hey, we want to be the most diverse city or we want to be the most um, affordable city or the one that fights poverty the most. And like, those are all very important things and should happen, but those are um, those are uh, permission to play elements that are foundational mm-hmm. when we want to go there. Like, mm-hmm. those are things we have to do. Yeah. Um, not things that we should wrap our entire identity around. Those are implied. Um, and so I think, I think it's, it's setting a loftier goal. It's setting one that's like, aspirational, but that, you know, if, if you work hard at it, you can run after. And, um, and there'll be a lot of people that put their hat in the ring to be able to join on that journey journey too. Um, but if, if the goal is, Hey, let's just maintain and have small incremental growth and, you know, rest on our history and what's around us today. Like, it's not very interesting. I'm not inspired to to, Mm -hmm. to run after that. So what is the, the one thing to kind of be that North star? I mean, a couple you know, Austin was mentioned, Nashville. Uh, Nashville is an easy example that they really, for lack of a better phrase, hang their hat on country music and music mm-hmm. in general. Denver is, has blown up for being this outdoors kind of mecca uh, and a gateway to all the skiing and trails and things like that. Like, what is it for Cincinnati? Is it arts? Is it world-class I, restaurants? Is it, you I know, mean, what is it? I, I think you got to use use the resources of the city. I mean, when you go back to Nashville, like, we're not, we don't have a music industry here. Right. Mm-hmm. There's not A&Rs here. There's not labels here setting up shops. So like, that's going to be a, f- a far fight for us. Right. What we do have is the consumer knowledge with Procter & Gamble and Kroger. Um, and from that becomes really good design, um, creative. I mean, we, I feel we have some of the, the world's best creative talent here in this market um, and we have to leverage that. That's why Blink works yeah. um, is because, you know, there's a ton of creative talent agencies here. I mean, and and that's what we've got to tap into. That's that's what the base of this, if you want to look at the base of, of Cincinnati, it's Kroger and P&G. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but that's, that's not going to be what takes us forward. Those two, it's the, it's the, it's the, the wave of, of intellect that comes from those companies that filters down to a community that mm-hmm. creates passion and drive, that is a sense of place, a sense of design, that ultimately leads to, I believe, is art um, and creativity. 
Yeah. So what is next for Agar for you two? I mean, we have Blink and Danger Wheel. Are there any upcoming events that you can share that you guys are in the works on? I know this year, like coming off, it being a Blink off year, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the goal for us is to to be planning for 2024, um, assuming we do it again in 2024. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, on our end from the company side, um, we're – we're finding a lot of value in bringing experiences to our clients right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that side of the business is growing dramatically. Um, we we have an exercise coming up in a week and a half with our full team. That's everybody's coming into town that we call, uh, we model after Amazon's prime day where the whole day is focused on innovation and new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're every year we do this and typically things spawn out of it, whether it's, porch pours or um, the model for our sample space venue down at the banks. Um, so my, my gut is that, you know, we'll have something in a couple of weeks on what that looks like, but, mm-hmm. um, but nothing jumps out right now because we're, we're knee deep in client work at the moment. Definitely. So. Yep. And growing, you know, growing the business and, you know, re- attracting talent. I mean, one of the big things that, you know, Andrew and I, had, we have our leadership, our Agar leadership planning session starting tomorrow through Friday and all about mapping our path forward, what strategic hires that we would like and which ones are we going to go after to just continue to grow the knowledge on our team to grow the grow the business for our clients. Are um, um, new employees, are they able to work remote or are they, you know, here in Cincinnati? Or Yeah, we have, uh, so we have, I think, four or five re- remote employees, one yeah. in Chicago, New York, Florida. Florida. Yeah. Um, our office, we're... I mean, it's kind of come, you know, we don't really have, if you want to work from home and you're more successful working at home, work from home. Right. A lot of people come into the office. Um, it is a human experience. We believe our, you know, our, our work is it's kind is of human. ingrained in what you do. So yeah. we, we, you know, we just kind of have a rule is that we don't want half and half. If you're going to work from home, you're working from home. If you're working in the office, you're working in the office, but don't come in at 10 and leave at two, mm-hmm. like either stay at home or stay at the office. Yeah. Um, that way, you know, you're getting in, in to, in, into your work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're pretty flexible on, on that piece. Do you guys hire, like, so I actually, I have a marketing degree and a finance degree. And I found that I, once I was in finance, I kind of got pigeonholed in that. And it's, it, sometimes it's hard to get into like ad agency. It, do you guys attract like the younger talent, like new, um, graduates or so you can kind of board. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I mean, we've, we've really built out our senior leadership team over the last two years. Um, but we're constantly as, as the work comes in, we're also constantly hiring and we just hired two students that just interned, just came on full time, um, with us that just started in the last couple of weeks. Um, so it's, it's really based on, you know, we fill at the top and then higher in, mm-hmm. in the entry as well. Um, so it's everything from account services to creative to production. Yeah, the successful people across the board in our organization, like I think the big determining factor that is regardless of what your role is, like especially in the summer, um, you got to be willing to move boxes. Like, mm-hmm. like when we do live events, it is normally hot and it is physical labor and <laughs> that comes with it. And we found that the people that succeed in our organization are the ones that are willing to get their hands dirty um, versus, you know, hey, I'm just the relationship person that, you know, sends the emails back and forth and somebody else is doing the the labor. Yeah. Um, 
what's super fun about the organization is that you know no two days are the same. And um, if you thrive in those environments, like it's a great spot for you. So. Yeah. You'd mentioned you're kind of in this, you know, focusing on your client's mindset, you're in kind of growth mode and planning, um, leadership planning. Um, who is the, I guess, ideal client for you? And like, what's the range? I'm sure it's, it is a range from the way you guys have talked mm -hmm. about so many diverse experiences. Um, but who are those clients out there that may not know that they're a good fit for you? you obviously, we, we deal with a lot of Fortune 100 companies mm -hmm. um, and managing some of their sponsorship activation and creating experiences for their target consumer. Um, but one of the things we've really seen, um, especially coming out of COVID and over the last two, three years, is we're really starting to create a lot of experiences for companies for employee engagement and retention mm -hmm. and attraction. Mm -hmm. So a lot of HR departments um, where usually we were getting, you know, probably 60% of our revenue comes from marketing budgets, mm -hmm. you know, so your Procter & Gamble's, your Kroger's, Toyota, things like that. But we're starting to see a lot of 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 come over because of the work remote they want to they want when the employees do get together they got to create an experience so there's a connection so there's a reason they stay yeah. connected to a company um they you know they don't want turnover um and we're seeing our services really really play out well in 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 hr and and community and when i say community another division we really see is placemaking and programming so working with large developers that are building you know, um, communities, but you have to activate those communities. Mm. You know, you can't just, you know, put a stage in a park and call it a community. Like you actually have to program it. Um, you have to put public art, you have to create a sense of community. And we're seeing a lot of that is an, a whole nother growth sector um, that we're going to be really focusing on as well as just creating community. Yeah. 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 We're pretty uniquely suited in that regard of you look at a major development project and like when we can be helpful in helping round out your tenant mix of mm -hmm. what bars and restaurants are a good makeup here for you. Um, we can help on the brand development side and like what's the story that you want to tell about and reason to, reason to believe for people to move there. Um, we can curate all your public art. We can uh, help you lay out the community spaces and then also give reasons for people to show up to them at the yeah. same time. And so we're finding a lot of um, value in those areas, but also a lot of joy because it like, it touches like most of the talents under the roof and uh, and everybody gets to play on projects together. That's so. awesome. Do you guys do your own market research for products like that? Because it's That's your- a good question. Well, because yep. you have so many different projects in different areas and I, Cincinnati is also a huge, you know, market research city, mm -hmm. but- like with 28 people, that sounds like a ton of work. Well, it's a lot of benchmarking, yeah. you know, market research or benchmarking mm. and determining what's out there. You know, what's what's core though to all of those, whether it's the HR department, the marketing department, or a, a master development community is like at the core of it is a human. Right. And is like what, what actually is going to motivate them and move them, move them to purchase, move them to stay engaged in their company, or move into a, a community, and at the and that's the one thing that doesn't change with with our with our business is how do we move people, and we we just be you know and through COVID and back to the mission statement as the world moves more and more digital, the more technology that comes into the world, the more AI that comes into the world, the value of a human connection and conversation is going to be is going to increase, mm -hmm. and we 
want to be the middle of that, the value equation. Like we create, you know, value creation for that. Um, and that's where people pay us um, for our, for our services. Yeah. I need to uh, get to work and sell a lot of houses so I could actually, you know, work with these guys to plan some really crazy fun events. Fun events. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not on your scale yet. You know, I got to get there. <laughs> you got time. Yeah. I think to wrap up, one question that we've asked uh, previous guests is if you could describe Cincinnati in one word or one phrase, um, how would you describe it? And we've had catalytic yeah. welcoming talent um, talent connected but you know just to name a few yeah, but it can it be a phrase or a, a word <laughs> it's kind of cheesy, <laughs> we like cheesy. But I, I, I mean the Bengals messaging has been on point lately yeah but i like this they gotta come see us you gotta come see us <laughs> but we had I, uh, someone said down to play before yeah and I like come see us. Yeah. Hmm. Man, I got nothing on this one. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to we're stay the away. We're the clean city. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would hope that the way to describe it is that we're, you know, we're looking up, you know, both from like an outsider's opinion of like the direction things are here, but also what we're aspiring for yeah. is yeah. that like we're not staring at our feet, you know, we're staring at where we want to go and – um the spirit that follows that too. Yeah. The future city. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. I like it. We had such a good time. You yeah. This is a fun conversation. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced and recorded at Play Audio Agency. You can subscribe and follow Underrated America Cincinnati wherever you like to get your podcast. If you'd like to keep in touch, check us out on Instagram and YouTube. You can find links to all of our socials in the show notes. Most importantly, please share with anyone who would also enjoy Underrated America. Until next time, we'll see you around Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Lovers or haters, come up and say hi. We dare you, Brad? Uh, no, I mean, I don't think it was going to come